0: Welcome to 2021 Seventh Fellows Choice podcast, where we will outline the highlights of the August issue of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. I'm Emma Allenson, a Gynecological Oncology fellow with the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Obstetricians
1: and Gynecologists. And uh, I am Eric Estrada from Hospital General San Juan de Dios in Guatemala. Doctor and the and collaborators from the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania present the August lead article titled minimally invasive hysterectomy for stage 1a cervical carcinoma, a survival analysis of the National Cancer Database. The study evaluated the outcomes of minimally invasive surgery for patients with stage 1a cervical carcinoma undergoing hysterectomy, data drawn from the National Cancer Database. The majority, 73.3% of patients, had stage 1a disease. 35.5% had open, and 645 had minimally invasive surgery. There was no difference in overall survival between patients who had open and minimally invasive hysterectomy. The four-year overall survival rates were 97.7% and 98.6% respectively. The conclusions in large cohorts of patients with stage 1a cervical carcinoma performance of minimally invasive hysterectomy was not associated with a detrimental effect on overall survival.
0: In the article, Skeletal System as a Rare Metastatic Site in Patients with Ovarian Cancer, Dr. Nazi Ak from the Department of Medical Oncology at the Istanbul University Institute of Oncology presents original research that evaluates the frequency and predictors of bone metastases in patients with ovarian cancer and determines the prognostic factors associated with this finding. Patients with ovarian cancer over a 10 year period were evaluated with confirmed radiological or pathological bone metastases. Out of 736 patients, 19 or 2.6% had bone metastases. Overall survival was significantly lower in patients with bone metastases at the time of a cancer diagnosis at 63 months compared to those diagnosed during the course of their disease at 6.1 months. Clear cell histology had a higher rate of bone metastases at 12.3 percent compared to 2.1 percent in the other epithelial histological groups the median survival of patients with clear cell histology with bone metastases did not differ significantly um, from the other epithelial histologies at 22 versus 7.5 months in the clear cell cancer subgroup bone metastases was an independent prognostic factor for survival and for all patients the stage prior platinum resistance The CA-125 and the alkaline phosphatase levels at the time of bone metastases were all prognostic factors for lower survival.
1: The next article presented is colorectal cancer ovarian metastasis. Dr. Lucas Thornblade from the City of Hope National Medical Center in California presented a review of 1,272 women with colorectal adenocarcinoma and ovarian metastasis. Included patients had stage 4 disease 756 women had synchronous ovarian metastasis, 516 had metachronous ovarian disease with a median time to diagnosis of 19 months. Patients with synchronous ovarian metastasis had a median overall survival of 23 months. Younger age, less comorbid conditions, and the recipient of chemotherapy were all associated with longer survival. Black and Asian women, had lower survival. Women with only ovarian metastatic disease were older, more often had rectal or rectosigmoid cancer, had less comorbidities, had less chemotherapy, and were more likely to undergo ovarian resection. Median overall survival of these women was 51 months, compared with 20 months in women with both ovarian and extra ovarian metastatic disease patient with metacronus ovarian metastases had a median survival from diagnosis of the ovarian disease of 25 months for women undergoing ovarian resection compared to 7 months for those who did not.
0: Dr. Tankow from Washington University in St. Louis presents the article, Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Protocols, Improved Time to Return to Intended Oncology Treatment following interval cytoreductive surgery for advanced gynecological cancers. The objective of this study was to determine whether the implementation of an ERAS protocol was associated with improved time to resumption of chemotherapy among women undergoing interval cytoreduction for advanced stage ovarian cancers, knowing that delay in initiation of adjuvant chemotherapy beyond 37 days has been associated with decreased survival. This is a retrospective cohort study at a single academic tertiary care institution using a before-and-after design that included 150 pre-ERAS cohort patients and 128 post-ERAS patients. By 28 days after surgery, 80% of patients had resumed adjuvant chemotherapy in the post-ERAS cohort, compared with 64% in the pre-ERAS cohort. On a multivariate logistic regression analysis, the use of ERAS was the strongest predictor for resumption of chemotherapy by 28 days.
1: The next article entitled "Advances His Understanding in Understanding Molecular Pathology of Gynecological Malignancy: The Role and Potential of RNA Sequencing." Elba Sauter and Mona Elvarawi present a comprehensive review of RNA sequencing and how we can apply this to the diagnosis and treatment of gynecological malignancy. They start by outlining the process of RNA sequencing, and then introduce us to the RNA-specific discoveries and applications in gynecological cancer. For example, the identification of foxl 2 mutation in granuloso cell tumors, or the identification of RNAs involved in the platinum resistance in ovarian cancer. They then comprehensively cover the place of RNA sequencing in the identification of a pathogenesis of gynecological malignancies as well as in identifying individualized tumor-specific features that may allow for a more targeted treatment option for patients. Sothern and El-Varawi point out that there is some way to go in a standardizing tissue sampling and allow for RNA sequencing, however, the ongoing development in this exciting technology will both add to our knowledge of the cancer tra- transcriptome and take the era of personalised cancer medicine.
0: Ferris et al. from John Hopkins University in Baltimore present a review article titled Uterine Serous Carcinoma, Key Advances and Novel Treatment Approaches. Uterine serous cancer represents a fraction of all endometrial malignancies. It is responsible for 40% of endometrial cancer deaths. What are the major genetic alterations? What are the recommendations for post-op treatment in uterine serous cancer? What are the differences in early advanced and recurrent disease? What is the level of evidence available for each treatment? With 40% of endometrial cancer-related deaths on its shoulder, what are the active trials and their targets? What are the options for HER2 negative cancers? And what are the current phase 1 to 3 trials and their molecular targets? Check out this comprehensive review article and get to know more about uterine serous carcinoma.
1: Marchetti and collaborators from GIMELLI in Rome present their clinical trial protocol, the Nuvola trial. This is neoadjuvant chemotherapy in unresectable ovarian cancer with olaparib and weekly carboplatin plus tap a phase 2 open-label multicenter study. Currently, there are a few data about the use of PARP inhibitors in the neoadjuvant setting in advanced ovarian cancer. The primary objective is to evaluate whether Olaparib with standard chemo in the neoadjuvant setting can improve tumor response in patients with BRCA mutations. Eligible patients will receive three cycles of weekly carboplatin plus paclitaxel and intermittent Olaparib administration. Responders will undergo an interval debulking surgery with pathological evaluation of response to chemo. The primary endpoint is a rate of complete pathological response after three cycles of the experimental chemotherapy regimen. Expected complete accrual will be in January 2022, with presentation of results by June 2022
0: forward. Dr. Gloria Selvo from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center presents a case study of early-stage, high-grade neuroendocrine cervical carcinoma. The case is that of a 37-year-old patient with a history of abnormal pap smear, ASCUS, and HPV 16-18 positivity. The cervix showed no exophytic mass, colposcopy showed no acetyl white lesions, but endocervical curettage showed a high-grade neuroendocrine tumour small cell type with a subsequent immunophenotype consistent with the diagnosis. MRI showed a tumour of 2 centimetres with no vaginal or parametral involvement and no pelvic or paraaortic nodal disease. Dr. Frumovitz recommends an open radical hysterectomy and sentinel node biopsies with ovarian transposition. The final pathological specimen shows a tumour size of 1.9 centimetres with no parametrial, vaginal or lymph node involvement. Postoperatively, the patient receives chemoradiation with cisplatin and etoposide times two cycles and then an additional four cycles of cisplatin and etoposide after completing radiation. Given the high rate of pelvic recurrence, radiation is recommended as part of the post-operative adjuvant treatment. In the recurrent setting, the authors consider the Texas cocktail as the standard of care, which includes topotecan, Paclitaxel, and Bevacizumab. As high-grade neuroendocrine carcinoma is a rare disease, multi-institutional collaboration is required for any trial moving forward.
1: Dr. Mansour from Clinica of Navarra in Spain presents a video article intraoperative radiation therapy after infralevator extended total lateral excentration for recurrent cervical cancer is a case of a 75 year old woman diagnosed with a stage 4a squamous cell carcinoma of the cervix who was treated with concomitant chemo radiotherapy and brachytherapy one year after MRI demonstrated by lateral hydronephrosis and your recurrent pelvic mass infiltrating the right parametrium, the anterior vaginal wall, and the anterior aspect of the rectum. The video shows the surgical approach to remove the recurrent disease, presenting a total lateral extended infertile pelvic excentration with its reconstruction. Once the specimen's frozen section showed close margins, the patient received intraoperative radiation therapy on the area with the highest risk of relapse. They concluded that total lateral extended infralevator pelvic accentuation remains a potential curative option to treat a pelvic relapse in patients with radiated cervical cancer and that intraoperative radiation therapy is a choice that might be considered to consolidate areas at high risk of relapse due to close or microscopically positive margins.
0: Domingo et al. from the University and Polytechnic La Fe Hospital of Valencia in Spain present an educational video lecture titled Left Upper Abdomen Surgical Anatomy. The high burden of disease in the upper abdomen has been an historical limit for achieving complete cytoreduction reduction in advanced ovarian cancer. The left upper abdomen has two locations that need further surgical consideration, the lesser sac and the spleen. The video gives a detailed explanation of the anatomical borders of the lesser sac and spleen, as well as providing the key points of the surgical technique of splenectomy. In this video, the author takes the viewers from imaging to a real surgical case to better understand this complex abdominal area.
1: And that concludes our August Fellow Choice podcast. Hope to see you in our September issue.